Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of the Reality Check. Uh, as always, my name is Rob, and I am here with Jansen. Uh, pretty exciting week, I think, all around with Survivor Series and uh, War Games. Uh, how you feeling this week, Jansen? Uh, tapped out <laughs> of <laughs> wrestling and food and everything. So, understandably so. Understandably so. Uh, it's uh. Yeah, I mean, coming out of two big events, um, you know, obviously, and we'll kind of touch on them. We we already we already made our predictions, and if you listen to our last episode, um, we gave our entire predictions around the event, minus uh, I think there were two matches that just kind of were like randomly popped up that weren't originally scheduled on the card. But uh, you can listen to those as well as our first episode on you know Spotify. Uh, Google Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Still waiting on that Apple approval. Uh, so, <laughs> but, you know, uh, hopefully if you guys have been listening to us, uh, you got an idea of where we kind of stand on things. So this week we're going to kind of go through some of the weekly shows. Um, and then we're going to talk actually about our Mount Rushmore of wrestling, um, which Bleacher Report kind of brought up a um, bunch of bunch of uh, legends and and celebrities kind of spoke up about um, and, and I just felt like it uh, why not uh, why not talk about it ourselves and that way we can kind of continue to let you guys uh, listening know a little bit about where we stand in that world so um, Jansen uh, you watched aew uh, I watched NXT uh, unfortunately we did not have <laughs> Each of us get to watch both of the Wednesday night programs. So, um, why don't you uh, give us your take on AEW on Wednesday night? Um, okay. So overall, uh, I mean, it start the entire sto- show starts off with the celebration for the champion uh, for Chris Jericho, and that entire segment was just like so flat and. <laughs> I mean, Soul Train Jones being in there. I mean, having Virgil in there, basically, you know, and he's, like, messing up to start the show in terms of, like, announcing Chris Jericho coming down. And then they come down, and they're, like, talking about how they're, you know, Jericho's giving a 50% or 50-cent-off coupon for his, sh- for his shirt and how they're selling champagne now. And then just the entire thing was very... It, it almost like there's a part of me that was like, okay, this is 100% just a slap in the face to the festival of friendship. But it was also like every single birthday celebration that's ever happened in wrestling. So it's like, oh, there's a giant box there. I wonder what that could be. And, you know, and then at the very end, you know, Jericho being Jericho and the inner circle being what they are, uh, they basically jumped Justin Roberts and, and which is a shame because Justin Roberts is one of the best announcers in the game. And, uh, and then they, you know, do their thing, but then, uh, SCU jump in like way too late to save him. And like, they were all dressed as band members. So it's like, you guys were on the ring apron or, or you were on the ramp. Why weren't you there earlier? So that was, that was a little questioning. Um, next was Best Best Friends versus Lucha Brothers, um, and that was actually a super good match. Um, obviously, you know Orange Cassidy coming out as a turkey was a very good spot, considering you know it was the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, 
And Orange Cassidy is always a great comic relief kind of thing. Um, and he, they helped, or he helped the best friends pick up the win there. Um, the tag team women's match was actually really good, I thought. Um, it was Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander versus B. Priestley and Emi Sakura. Um, like, the crowd absolutely hates Emi Sakura, which is probably one of those things, reasons why the B. Priestley and Britt Baker feud has been so good. Um, Hikaru Shida had some high spots in this, but the person that stood out the most was Chris Statlander. And she's like, I'd never heard of her before, but she was out there just doing some really good stuff and making a name for herself. So it was good to see that. Um, I, I heard that, uh, I heard that she was kind of the standout of that match that she was not necessarily like just a random add in, but, uh, she, you know, uh, up and comer, uh, this was her first televised match, I believe. I believe uh, yeah, I, I, I heard I heard good things uh, coming out of that match. Even though, if I if I remember correctly, uh, reading they did they take the loss on that? Oh uh, yeah, they did. Uh, Sakura and and Statlander took the loss. Um, but Statlander was also being approached by WWE for a developmental contract, and supposedly there's some talks that she's kind of leaning more towards AEW at this point. So. I, I hope so. I mean, she was definitely a shining star in that match, and it was kind of a bright spot overall in that. Um, the girls, the women there just kind of seemed a little bit off, um, but she definitely stood out. Um, next was a squash match between Cody and Matt Nix. Uh, that was pretty awful. Because um, it's like, you know, okay... Cody Rhodes comes out with this, you know, crazy entrance where, like, you know, the the entire set raises up and he comes out with this silhouette and all this stuff, and the poor dude's already out there. And it's you could have basically, it's like it's like you know what's going to happen. Um, but then afterwards, so Cody clearly is going to pick up the the victory there, shocking. Um, but afterwards, he gets jumped by two random people that come up through the through the ring um and it was interesting because uh excalibur was losing his mind about the blade and the butcher and don't get me wrong they look cool i mean if if you had a video package that led up to this that like kind of had said something was going to happen at least we knew they were coming kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, we that knew were. that Wardlow, we knew Wardlow was coming. We never knew when, you know, but it was like, you know, we at least knew his name. Like, we knew Wardlow was coming, and he looked like he was going to be a big dude. This came out of left field and was, there was no build for this whatsoever. And it was just like, they showed up, and they attacked in the end. But then the nice part of it was Allie. Uh, showing up as the bunny, which um, was nice to see. Um, yeah, um, if if remember correctly, um, I can't remember which one's which, but the, but the one it, that's uh, that's Pepper Parks, and that's Allie's real life husband, mm-hmm. uh, and she's now going by the bunny uh, yeah. as opposed to Allie. And I mean, when I first saw the picture, like being tweeted out uh you know the butcher and the blade and the bunny have arrived 
or whatever. I, I was like, okay, who, who, who are these people? I almost, I almost looked, uh, like it was, uh, what's your name? Uh, Peter from new Japan pro yeah. wrestling. Uh, like the only female they ever show on TV. Uh, yeah. it kind of almost looked like her. And then it was, I was getting tagged, uh, for Allie being in there. And I'm like, Oh, that's Allie. I like, didn't even realize it was her because I mean, she admittedly she was wearing a mask. So, yeah, but it's, it's kind of nice to see that there, that there are going to do something with her. Obviously. Um, it, it doesn't look like they're, doesn't look like they're going to do something with her in a wrestling capacity, which I think is, I think is a, um, uh, like not necessarily like a, a downgrade or a, like, I don't know. I, I feel like she should be used in a wrestling capacity, but the women's division is kind of stacked. And if she can be a manager role and help these two get over to help the tag team division, I mean, it could be worthwhile. I mean, it just depends on how they want to book it. It just seems like, like they're really enjoying having, you know, these kind of teams and stuff like that. So um, groups of three, it seems like are kind of, what they really are centering around. Mm-hmm. Um, Pack versus Omega was Pack versus Omega, which was amazing. Uh, you know, obviously Omega hitting as many snapdragons as he can possibly do, which <laughs> honestly, I don't know how he doesn't murder someone every time he hits that move. Um, and then he obviously, you know, he went for the, the longest setup for a finisher ever for the one winged angel. And then he ended up rolling up pack and winning. So that was it was a it was a good match though overall. Um MJF versus Adam Page for the AEW Diamond. The Dynamite Diamond. Um it's this was this was a heel prop that just we knew like it's like if it goes like it would not suit Hangman Page whatsoever. Like, what's he gonna do? Walking around with a this diamond ring when he's pretending to be a cowboy. Um, <laughs> no, like it wasn't going to work. It's not so, a good cowboy accessory. No, it's not a good cowboy accessory. Like if it was like a, you know, a pair of spurs or a belt buckle, he, 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 that he wins that, but he's not going to win a diamond ring. And obviously MJF had Wardlow on his side and helping out and stuff. Um, and, MJF really hit a extremely ugly looking crossroads at the end of that and ended up winning. Um, but what was cool, the, the cool part about that was after the match was Diamond Dallas Page was, was actually giving him the ring because, you know, if anybody's going to give out a diamond, it should be Diamond Dallas Page. And um, DDP cut a pretty good promo on MJF and like they they kind of got into it there for a minute and then uh and then like they they just like it just kind of went from there um oh jesus um so okay <clears throat> to be fair um i like i had heard about wardlow like coming to AEW i honestly had not actually seen him at all yet this dude is pretty dang big yeah, and apparently he was the Revenge World Champion at some point or whatever. So I can see why you know they're pairing someone up like him with someone like MGF. I mean MGF's no like small dude either, but th- this 
this definitely qualifies as the muscle to MGF's mouth. So, yeah. Um, so that was that was interesting, and I mean, <laughs> Wardlow even got into DDP's face, and DDP kind of you know put him in his place. It was pretty good. Um, Dustin Rhodes cut a promo about you know trying to get even with the inner circle, which set up some nonsense between the elite and inner circle. Um, but the this part right before the AEW championship was my favorite part, um, probably of the night because I kind of knew like when you go into a card and you can kind of immediately pick everything, you're like, uh, okay, why am I watching? Um, but the the video package for the Dark Order was great. Um, I like that they're finally flushing out this team. Um, when the Dark Order showed up before, it was similar to the Blade and the Butcher. You're kind of like, who are these guys? And why should I care about them? Um, but they're finally doing something with the Dark Order. And this is like a couple weeks in a row that they've done a video package. And this one was kind of reminiscent of Fight Club. Um, just in that it was talking about the Dark Order is this, you know, all-encompassing presence that, you know, everybody can be a part of. And it could be your teachers and it could be your, you know, the people serving you food and all of that sort of stuff, which felt very much like Fight Club. And then lastly on that card was uh, Jericho versus Sky. And great match. Um, Scorpio definitely highlighted Scorpio Sky's um, Scorpio Sky's ability, and there was even some moments there where it was like the the crowd really got into it. Um, and and like there was a there was some the the end was a little sloppy. Um, Jericho locked in a kind of crappy Walls of Jericho slash Lion Tamer. Not really a Lion Tamer. It was more of a crappy Walls of Jericho. Um, and ends up picking up the win, but I mean, Scorpio Sky is definitely a player to be watching for the future. I think that they're really trying to build around him, especially how commentary talks about him. Um, especially, they are very high on his athleticism, and I mean, he can he can go in these main event matches, and it was kind of good to see somebody that you know had been primarily used in tag matches as of late kind of get this you know, big push to the main event. Mm-hmm. And he's not, um, uh, Scorpio sky is not a, not a young guy either, but he's, he's not as old as his, uh, SCU compatriots. Um, Scorpio sky, according to Wikipedia is 36. Um, whereas if I remember Kazarian is in his mid forties, early forties, age 42. Uh, and then frickin' Christopher Daniels, I, I believe, is also in that same area as well, too. Um, so he, he is definitely the younger member of the team. So it, it would make sense that they are, you know, possibly transferring, like, their knowledge, like, helping him get to where, you know, they want him to be that upper mid-card status. Plus, if you have a three-man uh, stable like SCU is... You could have, you know, the the one man doing the single title and the other two doing the tag titles. So it makes sense. Yeah. 
you know, and there, there's still also that possibility of that uh, they're talking about bringing in that mid card title, which uh, obviously it looks like for for the moment the diamond Dy- dynamite ring is probably going to fulfill that uh, void until probably until Cody and MJF have a you know full on confrontation at a pay per view where Cody wins the ring and then it becomes an actual championship. So, um, I mean, I think it would make sense to, you know, Vince is so anti-television title, I guess, but why not make it the dynamite championship? And it's essentially the TV title where it should be defended every week on dynamite, but, you know, make that their workhorse championship because you have to defend it every week on dynamite. Yeah. At least that's what I, I think would uh, end up making sense there. So, um, all in all, yeah, it, sound, it sounds like a pretty good show. Uh, I, I assume you enjoyed watching it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I've like it's honestly been one of those things. Like I, I looked forward to watching watching Dynamite probably more than I have. Like, uh, as of recently, as of late, most of, like, WWE stuff. Um, obviously, you know, NXT was pretty, staying up on pretty well, but, you know, with them going head-to-head now, um, I kind of had to make a choice. And <laughs> and you chose AEW, and I'm pretty much more on the NXT side. Um, which, which is fine, because, uh, you know, it... The, the the thing with the thing with the Wednesday night war as it were is AEW needs those viewers to to become relevant right mm-hmm. uh so i agree with the idea of watching AEW but on the same token a, uh, NXT they need those viewers to make sure that big daddy vince <laughs> stays out of triple h's business and just lets NXT be NXT. And and I think that's part of the reason why I, uh, why I, if I only chosen to watch one of the two, that's why I lean more towards NXT. Cause I don't want Vince coming down and messing up my show at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, appa- apparently uh, rumor going around backstage survivor series. So, the five on five on five men's Survivor Series team, Valter, the WWE United Kingdom champion, the ring general, Valter, was the first person eliminated uh, in, in the entire match. Um, and and don't get me wrong, I mean, like if I, if I remember correctly, he was uh, he was on the receiving end of a Claymore kick from Drew McIntyre, which. Honestly, you know, I love Drew McIntyre. I wouldn't necessarily expect anyone to get up from that. But it came early in the match. It still was Walter. It still was your United Kingdom champion. And he went out first. Rumor. But, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, go ahead with what your rumor is. Well, uh, the the rumor, and, I, you know, I don't know how, how much truth is to it. Uh, you know, I, I subscribe to so many various different things that sometimes things get you know, flushed around and all that kind of stuff. But uh, rumor is that Vince took 
uh, a good look at Walter backstage and was like, no, I'm not putting you over any of my guys. Just because you look at Walter and if if you've seen him in action, you know what he's capable of. But he doesn't have that physique either. He looks like Farva. <laughs> I don't care. You can bring up Walter every episode and I'm still going to say that he wants a liter of cola. <laughs> he wants a liter of cola. Yes, he does. I don't care. They, I mean, <laughs> the general I, demands a liter of cola. My one of one of our buddies, we were watching when uh, we were watching the takeover when Walter showed up. When Walter showed up, and one of our friends, Drew. Shout out, Drew. Shout out to uh, Drew. Yeah, and happy belated birthday, buddy. Um, he lost his mind. He's like, "That's Walter. That's Walter," and I'm like, uh, "Who?" Like, I, admittedly, I had no idea because, I mean, if you're not following, if you weren't following European wrestling extremely closely, you probably didn't know who Walter was. But he was. My friend was. And, I, I mean, since that point in time, it's like, I can see it. Like, I mean, he just, he does not have that intimidating look. Like, when you look at Braun Strowman, he is intimidating. When you look at Brock Lesnar, he's intimidating. I mean, heck, even if you look at Keith Lee, Keith Lee is intimidating. Walter mm-hmm. looks like he could be pumping gas somewhere or eating nachos on his couch. I mean, he just drinking a liter of cola. Like, it's really, he's probably stopping off at shenanigans to have some appies before his nappies. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's my, that's my promo on Walter. I agree with you, Vince. Uh, yeah, have, I, I can't, have, I can't have McIntyre, see that now. Have have McIntyre go over to NXT UK because he put him out. Have Walter call him out. You know, that would bring relevancy to it too. And then have Drew McIntyre go either go over there and if you don't want him to do the job, then give the belt to Drew McIntyre. You know, have McIntyre say, I took out your ring general. I'm the leader of Imperium now. And... Are you going to tell Drew McIntyre now? I think that they need to do something with that. And since he is from across the pond, if they're not going to use him on the main card, it's a good way to do it. Yeah. uh, uh, And honestly, like at this point, um, I'm I'm so sick uh, of waiting for them to do something with the Scottish psychopath. I would be 110% down with him going to NXT UK and helping put that brand on the map uh, even more so than, I mean, not not that the talent is not helping doing that, uh, but I would love to see him go over there and just start dominating people because I marked out hard when Drew McIntyre came back, period. Uh, if, uh, If, if I remember correctly, uh, well, I, I, I'm 99.9% sure because I was in the crowd at TakeOver Orlando the night before WrestleMania when they showed him on camera that he was returning to WWE, specifically NXT. I, you could ask my wife, I went crazy. The only time I went crazier that weekend was when Party Boys music hit the following night at WrestleMania. Um, and, and like, I think we all did. We all lost our minds. Yes. 
<laughs> Drew McIntyre, they need to do something with him. Uh, he was a force to be reckoned with in NXT, and then he's just been kind of on the on Raw. He's just been kind of he's there. I know he was injured there for a minute, but um, you know he he's back. He needs to he needs to be in the mix of things and not in some kind of stupid storyline like involving Bobby Lashley or and uh, you know the whole Bobby Lashley Rusev Lana thing. So I'm tired of them using him as like a hired muscle. He's basically like a glorified Wardlow right now. Where he just kind of shows up, beats the crap out of someone, and that's the end of it. And it's for somebody else. It's never for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, we talked about AEW there for a second. I'm going to go over some of the highlights from NXT. Um, so, NXT, obviously, uh, you know, spoilers, NXT went over both Raw and SmackDown on Sunday at Survivor Series um, with a dominating four to two, uh, four for NXT, two for SmackDown, and one for Raw, one pitiful one for Raw, um, a victory, which, funnily enough, uh, Seth Rollins had a, you know, town meeting, town hall meeting, where he basically told the entire Raw roster that they all sucked. And they all walked out on him, except for Kevin Owens, who decided to just deliver a Stone Cold uh, stunner to him in the middle of the ring. Uh, You know, like, basically tell him F off. Um, But, so, NXT obviously had a lot to celebrate. So they started off with uh, Josiah Williams uh, on stage talking about how NXT won at Survivor Series. And then uh, they start playing, uh, like, a song. Uh, I'm not sure if Josiah wrote it or if he was just performing it or whatever but so the entire like nxt locker room is like emptying out they're all in the crowd they're ch- you know chanting and singing with the crowd and everything you know we are nxt we are nxt uh well undisputed comes out and <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and they, they talk about how they are the Iron Man. Like, no one should be celebrating. It's it's as a result of them as they are winning. Um, They're damn lucky. So, <laughs> well, uh, Champa, Keith Lee, and Matt Riddle, uh, Dijakovic, in the room. Uh, William Regal had announced that uh, Dijakovic and Keith Lee were going to get a shot at Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly for the tag team titles. So... After a little bit of War of the Words there, nowhere near as long as Le Champion's uh, thank you celebration, uh, they get to it. Well, you go to the first commercial break, you come back, and Roderick Strong is now in the match. Uh, apparently, Bobby Fish, I don't know if he took a nasty hit or spill, um, but he was escorted out uh, for a potential concussion. So it's now uh, O'Reilly and Strong versus Lee and Dijakovic. And... Uh, this was honestly, it was it was a great match, as should be expected. I mean, realistically, we don't deserve Kyle O'Reilly. Um, that that man can sell. You know, he he's can really sell gotten over on me because his look is definitely <laughs> like just some random dude that got in the ring. Like he doesn't look like he could do the things that he does, but he that no, man he is just worth got it. in the ring and just like randomly just started taking punches and stuff. Yeah, you, you're you're exactly right. Um, like it, that, that man in terms of selling moves is the same as someone who, you know, proverbial salesman that could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. Uh, 
Be- because and he this episode has been brought to you by Callahan Brake Pads. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now I lost my train of thought. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but so so they have they have the match, and um, so Lee and Dijakovic are kind of getting over on the champs, um, and so Lee is outside the ring. And Adam Cole starts running down the ramp. You know, obviously he's going to like try to help his boys. And Keith Lee pounces Adam Cole into freaking next week. Um, uh, I feel like you said that wrong. Oh, oh. Yeah. How should I have said it then? He pounced him into the third row. He, and, and, uh, to. To quote the great Monty Brown, I miss that dude. Uh, underrated wrestler, in my opinion, underrated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Lee's standing outside and he's staring at Adam Cole on on this pile of bodies of fans in in the thir- in the three rows right next to the ramp. And, and I say fans, and you can't see it, but basically air quotes because I'm sure that they were wrestler plants because they're not going to knowingly do a spot into the fan base like that. Um, but uh, while Lee is distracted, admiring his handiwork, uh, they hit the high-low on Dijakovic, and they do retain the belts. Um, show respect afterwards uh, from Dijakovic to Lee. Uh, you know, he apologized. He said that it was my bad because I wasn't paying attention. Uh, I should have had your back better. So I don't think this is the last we're going to see of them getting an opportunity at, at uh, UE. Um, which I'm okay with. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not necessarily a big fan of teams being thrown together, but I do like these guys. So, um, then we go into. Uh, they did a. They did a uh, interview segment backstage. Uh, Kathy Kelly was with Candice LeRae, and I. I know how Veronica feels about Candice LeRae. She's not a huge fan, despite the fact that she's a very much a big Disney person. Uh, but like. I don't know something about Candice LeRae's promos. I, I can't get behind her wrestling ability. Fine. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, I, I just, I don't know something about her promos, but she's sitting there talking about what Dakota Kai did at, at war games, which by the way, I called, I, I, I told everyone that she was going to turn heel um, and, and, and attack Tegan Knox. Um, and, and I still say they haven't really talked. They haven't really dived in on, but I, I, I I'm still betting you that she's the one who attacked me at Yim as well, too, to get her out of the match in the first place. But she's talking about um, how she considers Dakota, or like Tegan Knox her sister, and, and she used to consider Kai her sister as well, too. And this is basically this, the, a recycled storyline from only two months ago when, when Io Shirai turned. Um, um, I don't think he, also. If you want to go there again, they did it on NXT UK with Tony Storm and the new and the current champion. Oh, Kaylee Ray, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, they did the exact story. They, this is three times now in the past year. That's true. Now I see. I I could get I could get okay with uh, the fact that they did it with Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray, even though it was still within that time period. But the fact that they've used Candice LeRae in this same storyline twice now uh that kind of bothers me yeah so um you know i get it like 
it's 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 a storyline and they can do something about it and they can't have Tegan Knox come back right now and, and and destroy Kai and they want it they want to try to make sure that that heel turn sticks so um they set up a they set up a match later that uh Candice LeRae is going to be facing Kai I just I don't know I I don't like I I would have liked to have just heard from Tegan Knox directly and not necessarily had to have Candle Soray in this in a match with Kai. Maybe have Can, uh, Dakota Kai come out and just obliterate like in a squash. Um but nah, I mean uh, although it did lead to a good moment at the end of that which I'll come back to once we actually at the match. Um after that promo Shane Thorne faced off against Mansoor I love this dude. Uh, I think it's cool that, you know, he's the first ever Saudi Arabia, uh, one of the first Saudi Arabia, like, signees. Um, he's talented. Uh, he, he's he's likable. Um, we need to see something as far as promos from him, I think. But I like what they're doing with him. And I think Shane Thorne's just kind of lost right now on NXT still. Uh, I, I don't know what they're planning on really doing with him. But he's on TV, so... Guess you can't really argue on that, right? A loss on TV is still on TV. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, after that match, uh, Mansoor did go on um, Shane Thorne there. Uh, but after that match, then we get the actual match for Candice LeRae versus Dakota Kai. Uh, so Kai comes out uh, after LeRae. Uh, she's got new music. Um, you know, it's like a, like a hard hitting, you know, supposed to be that evil kind of music. She comes out and she just looks like this messed up bee that just wants to kill anything and everything. She's not crazy. Like Io Shirai went like with the crazy aspect kind of, but she just looks like the most hateful person like now. And she see, I, I like, uh, that's the one thing that I've really, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're fine. Uh, I I really like how NXT has done their heel turns. Like, their heel turns have, like, they haven't done anything for faces yet, but heel turns are an entire shift in their character. Like, they're changing their, like, the lighting, they're changing their, their attire, they're changing their look, they're changing their music. Like, it is an entire, complete character shift, which is good, and it, like, signals that this is a new person. I I like that they did that. Like I like that they did it with Shirai. I like that they did it with Dakota Kai too. And I saw a meme the other day on one of the other wrestling sites about how, like, why is it that whenever a woman turns heel in the WWE, she becomes eight hundred percent hotter? Like, what what happens? <laughs> yeah, uh, it it that does seem to happen a lot. And... Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that point as well, too. Uh, it's like, but I mean, you know, she comes out, right? And she, you know, she's basically wearing the same ring gear that she was wearing at, at War Games. Um, and it's uh, it, it's definitely like that kind of change that you just mentioned there. Um, and she's carrying Tegan Knox's knee brace with her to the ring. So she like comes out and she's like standing on stage and just kind of like staring like daggers at Kai in the audience and she's got the knee brace in her hand people are booing her first time in a long time i feel like that a, a heel is actually being like truly booed um for something like this normally normally like when 
when we get that meal, they just kind of are like, yeah, we love them. They're freaking great. Well, but there too, though, the NXT crowd is a different brand. Like, like the NXT, NXT crowd will, will, like, they seem like they will uh, go with the flow of how the booking wants it to go because the NXT crowd seems to be a little bit more respectful of, like, this is a heel turn. And again, I think that NXT rewards the fans that show up each week with that, you know, like, okay, this is a new person now. Here's new music. Here's new, you know, and the entire thing, you know, is going to, like, bring the crowd into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I agree. I do agree. Um, Kai, Kai ends up uh, getting disqualified because she ends up using the knee brace on Candice LeRae. Uh, she throws her into the uh, stairs as well, too, and is going to attack her with a chair, but, like, Rhea Ripley, like, runs down and, like, does, like, a Bruce Lee, like, flying kick and kicks that cha- the chair out of uh, Kai's hands before she runs to the back. Uh, it was a pretty sick moment. Uh, if anyone hasn't already seen it, I do strongly recommend checking it out, um, just because it's kind of cool. Uh, I-, I think Rhea Ripley was definitely one of the highlights coming out of this weekend. I, I think this weekend definitely made Rhea Ripley, which um, I'm skipping ahead a little bit in the in the events of NXT, but she does have a face to face with Shayna Baszler uh, near the end of the evening. And, um, you know, cause Shayna's out there talking about how she beat both Bailey and Becky Lynch in the same match. And then Rhea Ripley was like, yeah, but you didn't, you didn't meet, you didn't beat me. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and, and since, and since they had the Dakota kite heel turn, like Ripley and Larray, came back from a two to four deficit to, to win the first women's war games match. So, and she pinned Baszler doing it. So this weekend definitely solidified Rhea Ripley as a force to be reckoned with in the NXT women's division. Um, like I said, you know, that was, that happened a little bit later in the evening. I skipped, um, the, uh, there was an NXT, uh, cruiserweight title match. Uh, Leah Rush defended against Akira Tozawa again, um, which it was a solid va- match. Um, you know, I, I wasn't expecting a ton of like big spots with Tozawa, but he's deceptively strong. Uh, and going against uh, a person the size of Leah Rush, uh, he was hitting it with some crazy German suplexes and things of that nature. Uh, very, very solid match there. Um, I, I I know you didn't get to watch the whole show, but did you get to watch that match at least? Uh, no, I, I, that was the one. Like, I'm I'm looking at the card too, and I'm like, yeah, that's one I need to watch because honestly, I love I I've loved Leo Rush since he came in. I I think like highlighting him as the mouthpiece for Lashley was okay, um, but this man can just go in the ring. I mean, I watched some of his stuff in Wrestle Circus, and this guy is he's fast. And he is good. He is fluid in the ring. And, like, Leo Rush just does, does not put on a bad match. Um, he is the man of the hour, for sure. <laughs> yeah, there is there is a very good reason why he calls himself. So. They had a just a random women's match. Uh, Zia Lee faced Vanessa Bourne, kind of supposed to be uh, Bourne going after Lee because of what she did to Aaliyah. 
a couple weeks ago. Um, Xylee won uh, pretty handily, uh, and Shayna and her cronies appeared on stage. That's where we ended up having the moment between Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler. Um, one cool thing I did see out of this was the fact that um, Zia Lee actually fought off Shayna and her cronies there for uh, a good solid minute uh, and got some good shots in on the champion as well, too. So despite the fact that they ended up be- ganging up and beating her down, they made they made Zia Lee look pretty strong um, overall. So you can tell that they're still trying to build her uh, in the background as well. And then um, your main event was uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Finn Balor. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a number one contender match, but it kind of was. Um, and, and they were kind of teasing early in the evening Finn Balor, like almost being on the same page as UE. And near the end of the match, they definitely were like showing that because Cole came down to basically help uh, Balor win. He slid the title in the ring. Um, as Balor was about to drop Champa, and he dropped him right on top of it. And, um, you know, he, he was like, I, I didn't know the, but the ref count, you know, so the ref counted, uh, Champa still kicked out, but, um, while right after that, uh, while the ref was distracted, put like throwing the belt back out of the ring on the other side, Cole didn't jumping in Zaguri to Champa to like, keep him down, Balor hits the 1916 pins to win. And then they're like standing in the ring, like standing over Ciampa, like taunting him kind of thing. And it looks like they're oh, like these two are now best buddies. What's up? And then Balor kicks him upside his head. <laughs> uh, same thing. Like he did with Johnny Gargano hit him with the uh, Pele kick uh, when he's not paying attention. Um, kind of stood over him, smiled, gloated a little bit uh, and then left. Um, to, to end the night. So uh, NXT, pretty good, pretty good show overall. Um, I, I don't ever anticipate them to put on a bad show. There are a couple, you know, like I could have done without the Zia Lee, Vanessa Bourne match, but um, I, I, th- I thought the end of that match with the Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler segment, you know, made it worthwhile, essentially. Um, so there's your kind of take on the Wednesday Night Wars there. Um, obviously, you know, some highlights around WWE as a whole this past week, uh, last night, uh, Friday night, 205 live celebrated its three year anniversary. Um, me and me and Chance were kind of talking a little bit before we started recording there. Um, brand that doesn't get enough recognition, really. Um, they, they put on some killer matches that there are a lot of workhorses on that. And I, I think it just kind of gets forgotten and pushed away. You know, and uh, I, I think having the Cruiserweight Championship now be rebranded as the NXT Cruiserweight Championship will help that brand get some exposure uh, as long as they don't just continue to randomly cancel the show on certain weeks. <laughs> yeah. they're, supposed to, they're supposed to be moving it to full sale as an actual taping on or a uh, show on live on Friday nights anyways. I'm not sure when that's going to take effect, but that was, that was the rumor uh, or not the rumor, but that was the story that I read. And that's how I felt. That's how I felt that it should have been all along is they like two or five just did not need to be like dark. Match. Yeah. Yeah. On the road. 
not not taped like main event style where you know it's it's just kind of those random matches. Um, yeah, I I, I I would agree. Uh, speaking of Friday nights, um, Friday night SmackDown, the Universal Champion has a new face on the Firefly Funhouse. Um, so Jansen did call this one. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to let him talk about the, the Fiend's new title there for a second. So, uh, Bray Wyatt, as I said that it should be, um, said that, you know, that since he had a new toy that he felt that, that he should have one as well. So then the Fiend shows up with his new, uh, belt, question mark. (laughs) Um, it is basically just his mask that is like stretched across. Um, I did, I do like some of the look of it. Uh, I like that it says, you know, like basically like that has the let me in kind of theme going to it. Um, there are like the problem that I have with some of the belts, like when they do like the rebrand, like when they do come up with new ones, I know that WWE wants to make their own, but when you have, like fan created content that is better than the stuff that you put out there and or you have stuff that is already made and you don't use it i i just don't know i, I mean I, it'll be interesting to see how this new belt looks um when fiend actually comes out with it because as you saw Survivor Series, when he came out against Daniel Bryan, he had the belt around his neck, which having the mask there um, will definitely suit as almost like a secondary mask um, for the championship. Um, but it just it doesn't look... I mean, I wanted it to like look... Almost, yeah, it, I wanted it to look like the Necronomicon, so I got my wish. Like, it's got like skin that's like sewn together on there um it definitely looks dark and that is it suits the character 100 percent. but i just don't know if that was the best possible look but we'll see yeah i would agree i would i would like to uh see it i would have liked to see it more like a real championship um of course like you said we'll have to wait till we see what it looks like like when he's actually coming out with it, of course, as as one of our uh, members of our Facebook page, uh, Jeff had mentioned, of course, they have to turn off that stupid red light for us to be able to really see anything oh. that's going on. Um, like, I love The Fiend. I love almost everything about the Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse Fiend. Let him in. Uh, you know, Dealy, except for the stupid freaking red light. Well, oh my God, turn it off! Like I, I get, I get them wanting to make it like a special event. I get that, but he is special enough. Like he's got enough character that he can go in the ring without the need of of the lights. Um, and it did not work for Sin Cara when he first started doing it. Because if you remember, let's be when honest, he was... not a whole lot worked for Sin Cara. I know, guy. I, I know, poor, <laughs> poor guy, poor Mystico. But, uh, like, it didn't work for him, and it's just not working in for The Fiend. So I hope they drop it soon. Um, the entire crowd will probably pop 
super crazy if they ever do decide to just be like, okay, we're done with this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it'll stick around. I'm still sticking with my prediction from last week that um, it, it, it'll, it'll be the big dog versus the fiend at WrestleMania. So maybe they'll at least drop it for WrestleMania. I don't know. Um, I will say that uh, I do, I do like that because uh, so it was horror legend Tom Savini who made the fiend's mask in general. Um, it, the belt was designed and handcrafted by Tom Savini Studios, so um, you know they still have a hand in in making this. Um, Bray Wyatt is now WWE's main merch mover, uh, so his stuff is flying off the shelves at faster rates than Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, John Cena, you know whoever, uh, which I think is crazy, and and it that, shows that's great. It's great. Yes. And it's and it shows when what can be done when you allow somebody to actually evolve their own character. Cuz you cannot in the it, no one can tell me that Bray Wyatt did not come up with this. Like there's too much like that is just like it has been like his like the progression of his character throughout this entire thing that it just doesn't there's no way that that people that there's a writer in the back that is like yeah Bray, this is what you should be doing. Like, this feels like this is him. Like well, from, what he from, has created. From what I understand, um, the the whole concept as like its base was not Bray Wyatt's idea. Because I get, I guess he's been. Uh, I I guess uh, I I don't know if he was in an interview or a, like public thing, but he is uh, somewhere. I remember reading is like thanking someone because they quote unquote saved his career. So like the, the base of this whole Mr. Rogers esque, uh, good guy, Bray Wyatt and the fiend, uh, like that the base is someone else's idea, but it takes that person to take the idea and make it a real thing. And that is what Bray Wyatt is doing. And, and, and like you said, it's showing because now he's moving the merchandise and let's be honest. That's what Vince wants to see is he wants to see the moolah rolling in. Those are the people who get the, you know, well, if they're moving merchandise, people want to see them. So let's make sure we're seeing them, make sure that we're putting them up in these positions. So, and that's probably why we are seeing him as universal champion. Well, and that's why I, I kind of had the feeling that they were going to do one of those custom belts for him. Um, just because, you know, it didn't, it wouldn't suit the character for him to just come out with the blue, horribly done belt. I still maintain the blueberry fruit roll up is better than the strawberry fruit roll up. Honestly, uh, okay, so, all right, confession time. I was okay with the red. With the red belt, after a while, it it ended up growing on me. Um, when it was first when it was first unveiled, we all were the exact every single person on the planet. I think was in the exact same. Like this is horrible, but it's like as it kind of kept going, it's like okay. I mean, and and then the blue one is just the same. So I mean, at this point, it's like okay, it is what it is. We're not going to get anything better than this for a while, for a long while. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, I mean, at least like you know, there is kind of like a. I- I'm just surprised that they haven't done the same thing. Like, just change the the 
the raw to a red belt. Yeah, I mean it. It still wouldn't surprise me, but who knows? We're not going to see it again until the Royal Rumble, anyways. That's Brock, true. Brock Lesnar's on vacation now, because you know that's the smartest thing in the Brock world. Le- Speaking of the belt overall, back to back to the Fiend belt. Anyways, did you see that they are selling them? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm gonna pass on that one. I don't need. I don't need nightmares. Uh, I would agree, especially you know the biggest nightmare that you'd have from it is that sixty five hundred dollar price tag. That's the biggest nightmare you'd come out of that one for yeah. sixty five hundred dollars. Yeah, no thanks. Plus the the I strap can itself a professional is like, belt it's like, made. It's like a normal, like, like it's weird straps. Like it's not like any of the other belts. Yeah, it's it looks like um like actual like belt like a, like an actual yeah. like regular belt end. So yeah, um yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. I mean, cool kind of, but but weird. So, um, we're gonna move on to the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Uh, Bleacher Report earlier this week kind of asked fans to come up with their own Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Um, and and they had, if I remember correctly, they had uh, The Undertaker and Stone Cold and Ric Flair and, and someone else on there. I can't remember, to be honest with you, at this exact moment. But, um, you know, lots of celebrities, inc- uh, including The Rock, who is obviously one of the biggest stars in entertainment and was one of the biggest stars in WWE kind of chimed, chimed in with his own. And he threw up, um, he threw, he technically threw up five cause he kind of had a tie that he couldn't break on his own. Um, but he threw up Hulk Hogan, uh, Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and his tie was between gorgeous George and Bruno San Martino. Um, all of which are great names. Uh, I don't really personally know a whole lot of Gorgeous George, honestly. Um, but, you know, and I've never actually seen Sam Martino wrestle. Like, I've seen clips of when he used to wrestle. I met the guy. Uh, I met him a few years uh, back before he passed away. Um, and uh, freaking humongous hands. My God. he He's not a giant dude. But his hands were humongous. It was crazy. Um, but so I, I uh, shout to Chance and, and last night we uh, we decided we were going to kind of talk about our Mount Rushmore wrestling. And uh, in no shock, Jansen put together uh, what'd you say? Three different <laughs> three different had, Mount Rushmore. I had three different Rushmores just because, like, I mean, I feel like. Everybody's like if you if you look at like drawing, drawing power, mm. like the names are all going to be the same. I feel like at least three of those names are the same. There's one that might flip flop, you know. Um, but I also made up one that was like more of like my own personal, um, like what was the ones that like kind of um, brought me in and kind of made me more fans. Uh, more of a fan. Um, and then uh, I also had to go with like, like, cause the one thing, whenever somebody says I'm not Rushmore, I mean, if we like, so I'll give you my first one for the draw, like the drawing power. Okay. Claire, obviously 16 time world champion, Hulk Hogan, uh, uh, inarguable that this man put 
the WWF on the map. Um, Austin, and then Rock. You know, uh, and I feel like you you needed Austin and Rock together to really solidify that Attitude Era. Um, I mean, other people could you know people could possibly you know swap out Rock for like Hunter for Triple H or Shawn Michaels or whoever. Um, but like drawing power, I mean, I feel like those names are always going to be at the top of the list. Um, but, but Flair isn't, in my opinion, the greatest wrestler. I mean, Hogan is definitely not the greatest wrestler. He's a great showman. He's a great showman for sure. But the man like literally has like three moves. And like, if you're like making fun of John Cena, at least John Cena's like trying, you know, Hogan has been... <laughs> has been, you know, doing a big boot and a leg drop, you know, for 40 years. And and still getting over with it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and still getting over with it. Um, so it's like, you know, in terms of, like, actual working ability, I had to make up another another list for that, too. So if you want, you can go ahead and you can do yours, and then I'll share mine. But okay, but I had to go um, through yeah, no, understandable, and and I and I did have to think while on my too. Um, I went, I you know, I I wholeheartedly agree. If you want to talk about drawing power, I I think for the most part, there are going to be very very similar names across that entire board uh, or mountain, as it were. Um, so I kind of limited it back down to myself. Okay, um, you know, and and like I. I I, I went through and, and I, I looked up some information online and I wanted to, I wanted to support my Mount Rushmore <laughs> with, with facts and statistics and, and all that kind of stuff, at least in terms of like titles and what made them a, a you know, a champion uh, as it were. So um, I'm going to kind of lump my first two together. Uh, and, and that is Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Um, I I feel like both of them uh, deserve to be on a, on a Mount Rushmore in in my eyes because Shawn Michaels for the longest time was my favorite wrestler. Period. Okay. Um, the man is a he's a four time WWE champion. Uh, whether you want to count World Heavyweight slash WWE champion, I just counted as four time World Champion, three time Intercontinental, one time European. He is a six-time tag team champion, um, two with Diesel, one with Stone Cold, one with John Cena, and twice with Triple H. Um, that, that's impressive to have six reigns with four different people. He's also a two-time Royal Rumble runner. He is the first Grand Slam champion. I believe he's the one who actually coined the phrase Grand Slam champion. He is a 15-time Slammy Award winner which makes uh, one of my uh, other picks a little less impressive. Uh, but, but he is a two-time Hall of Fame. Huh? The Miz? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if, if, if we had to talk about like uh, a more like current, like coming just out of this era of Mount Rushmore, I would probably consider Miz somewhere. But um, he, he's a two-time Hall of Famer. I mean, he is Mr. WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels is one of the most charismatic, athletic, hardest working people 
uh, that I ever got a chance to see wrestle on TV, live, uh, whatever. Uh, my mom, uh, still proud of the fact that when we went to, when Raw could fit inside the civic, the local civic center, uh, still proud of the fact that we were close enough uh, at Monday Night Raw that when Shawn Michaels was thrown out of the ring, I think by the Undertaker, uh, she was able to run up there and touch his butt. Uh, still proud of that. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, because Shawn Michaels, you know, I'm I'm confident enough in you know myself to say he was a good looking dude. Um, so it's you know he was the epitome of pretty much everything you would want to be if you were a WWE superstar, uh, talented, good looking, charismatic, everything. And like I said, for a long time, he was one of, uh, if not my, you know, favorite. And then you look at triple H and obviously these two are best friends, been friends for a long, long time. Triple H 14 time champion. Uh, and thankfully I think that's where he'll stop. I, I hope that's where he'll stop. Like, just like the undertaker. I think it's time to hang up the boots, buddy. Five time intercontinental champion, two times European champion. Um, back when that championship actually had meant something as well, too. Uh, three time tag team champion Two obviously with Sean and one Swiss stone. He's a King of the ring winner, two time Royal rumble. winner. He's won three slammy awards again, when they actually technically meant something. And he's a Hall of Famer as well, too, as part of DX, even though he will be inducted separately by himself in the future, I'm sure. But he himself, I think, makes me love him the most at this point now is the fact that he is shaping the future of professional wrestling in WWE because of what NXT is. Uh, and and it's, it's his brainchild. Um, pushing... I don't want to say pushing Vince out of the way, but like making Vince, let him be in full control over it. And and, I mean, argument could be made. I mean, well, the argument can't be made, I guess now after survivor series, NXT is the superior brand. Uh, The numbers don't lie. Right. So, so those are my first two. Um, the, The, the next pick that one came to me real quickly as well. Um, because, uh, it's, he was involved in the first match that I, that I remember seeing. And the first match I remember seeing was, um, at WrestleMania 10. Um, and that was, uh, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Um, and my pick for Mount Rushmore would have to be Owen Hart. Um, Wow. Owen over Bret? Owen over Bret. Um, I felt like I felt like wrestling wise. Um, I, I mean, you know, the 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 rocket was more exciting than Brett. Uh, Brett was super technical, um, which Owen also was technical, but Owen was fast. He, yeah, he was he was powerful. He did exciting moves. Like I remember, like you know, they made such a big deal about the enziguri. Like he was one of the first people to like really do it on a regular basis in the WWE, I guess. Um, like every time he would hit it, people would like act like, Oh my God, he just like slit that man's throat type of deal. You know, like it was, it was the most devastating thing in the world. Um, and, and so much more charismatic 
Brett, and and I, and I'm not taking anything away from Brett uh, or his accomplishments or anything okay. he did. You, I, you I can just... you can play the the face. I will be the heel. Bret Hart is not the best there is, the best there was, or the best <laughs> there ever will be. He just wasn't. If you go back and watch any Bret Hart's matches, go subscribe to the WWE Network and watch them. I will guarantee you that you'll be like, really? That was your catchphrase, buddy? Mm-hmm. Like, and and this, was, this was supposed to be one of the most over guys. Like, you know, you, you talk about Hogan being the the five you know like the the two moves of doom or cena being the five moves of doom i mean uh bret hart was in that same respect as well too but you know along comes younger brother and um you know and, and even part of his gimmick at one and that's why i was talking about like Shawn michaels 15 slammy awards makes owens like two-time slammy award winner look uh look bad um but he he was also a king of the ring he he won the '94 King of the Ring after Brett had won the past two back to back, so he comes into the tournament and shows up his brother and is like, "Look, I can win King of the Ring too." You know, he's a four-time tag champion, two times with Yokozuna, once with the Bulldog, and once with Jeff Jarrett. Two times as Intercontinental, one time as European, and I didn't know this one until I looked up on his thing. He's also a four. IWGP junior heavyweight champion as well too. Owen spent some time in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I knew about. I didn't know he had won the junior heavyweight title over there at one point as well too. So Owen to me was the superior heart brother. Um I looked forward to seeing him in the ring even when he was doing the goofy blue, blue blazer gimmick. Um I just looked forward to seeing him and he's he's one of the most memorable people that that I've ever watched wrestle and I know that a lot of people consider the WWE Hall of Fame BS um, I consider it BS that he's not in it and I know that's his wife's choice and she's entitled to it and I support her for being entitled to it I just I, I wish she would have uh, or would finally let it go and let them let them honor him in in that Um you know, and it's not like, not like she wouldn't collect a little bit from WWE as a result of it, but I would like to see that. the The biggest disappointment I think for me, for Owen, is when everything went down uh, at the Survivor Series. Screw. Uh, you know, they talk about, you know, uh, Vince McMahon says Brett didn't screw Brett, or uh, I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. Brett didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Owen. Um, because after Brett Hart left, um, you know, and, and I, do, I do believe Brett Hart was honorable, was an honorable man. And I believe that he was going to show up to raw the next night and drop the title to Shawn Michaels as they had agreed upon. Obviously we'll never know. I'd like to think that, but as a result of that, realistically, I mean, what, like for the next six months, it was six months later that Owen had passed. For the next six months, what did Owen really get to do? Owen was relegated back to the Blue Blazer gimmick. Um, I mean, he was going to receive an Intercontinental title championship uh, on the event where he passed away. Um, but th- but they did. But his his momentum had completely stopped at that point. And I believe 
someone who should have been a WWE champion, period, long before that anyways, I believe Brett leaving to go to WCW screwed Owen out of that world championship. So I'm a little salty at Bret Hart for that period. Um, but yeah, uh, long story short, too late. Uh, <laughs> Owen Hart, um, definitely my third face on the Mount Rushmore. Um, my final pick, uh, this is the one I had to think about for a minute, just because I had to think about someone who um, meant a lot to me in my time watching wrestling. And uh, it, it has to be Eddie Guerrero. Um, Latino Heat. Uh, this man had way more accomplishments than I was even uh, really aware of, um, as well too. But like, he was one of the best characters. Uh, one of the like in WCW, one of the best cruiserweights. I, I remember watching, like, whenever I saw him come out, even when he was doing the whole LWO, you know, Latino World Order, uh, like, just play off of the NWO gimmick, like. Eddie Guerrero was always someone I wanted to watch. Um, so, like, he was in AAA uh, as a tag team champion. He's also in their Hall of Fame. Um, he was a two-time ECW champion. I didn't know that. Um, I Again, I knew he had spent some time in Japan. Uh, he won uh, the 96 Best of Super Juniors tournament. He In 96, he also won the Junior Heavyweight Super Grade Tag league with great Sasuke. I'm, I'm assuming that that is like, you know, a a junior heavyweight tag, you know, tag tournament. I honestly don't, I couldn't find any more information really about it, but uh, I mean, that's still definitely, you know, uh, qual, you know, qualifications uh, for him being awesome there in WCW. He won the cruiserweight championship twice. He won the United States Championship there as one uh, well once too. I don't. I honestly don't remember him being United States Champion. Um, and it wasn't. Uh, at least I don't think it was during the Invasion Angle. So I, I don't. I don't know. I can't be one hundred percent certain of that. Um, they usually usually have that. They have it listed. You know, WCW Ch- United States Champion under the WWE banner if it's something like that. Um. You know, he's two-time European champion in WWE, two-time Intercontinental champion, one-time WWE United States champion, four-time WWE tag team champion, twice with his uh, nephew Chavo, once with Tajiri, and once with Rey Mysterio. He's a one-time... With, <laughs> that part hurts. He's a one-time. That was it. That one-time WWE champion. But you know what? He beat freaking Brock Lesnar for the title. Brock Lesnar put that man over with the belt on the line uh, and, and, and allowed him to be WWE champion. Of course, he posthumously uh, inducted into the But, uh, you know, Eddie Guerrero, man, like, so entertaining, so charismatic. Uh, you know, it's going to be a little cliche, but uh, he lied, he cheated, but he stole our hearts. So that's why I decided to make him the fourth member. I uh, not rush my look. Getting a little right teary-eyed on. just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give you a break so you can cry. <laughs> I'm, um, good. I'm good. Uh, my personal one, um, just basically kind of stemmed from who really 
stood out to me and kind of brought me in to like watching and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> first ever uh, WWE at the time, it was WWF uh, event that I ever saw was actually WrestleMania 9 um, at Caesars Palace um, with the silly like Roman theme and all of that stuff and and Bobby the Brain Heenan riding backwards on a camel. Um, and, but like, I just remember like the pageantry of it all. And like, that's kind of like what it, it kind of brought me in. Um, my friend at the time, um, well, still a friend, um, Alpha had, uh, actually like he would, he would, he was a huge wrestling fan. So he would, you know, you know, like order the WrestleManias and stuff. And I could go down there and watch it with him. And I remembered seeing the undertaker for the first time. And thinking this dude is crazy, like I like, and it just it just stuck with me. I mean, the Undertaker's character has evolved so much, and for me, like I'm not gonna have all of the stats that Rob had. I, I did not have time to do research <laughs> like you did. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, Undertaker is is honestly like you know one of those top guys i mean and has been he's a locker room leader he's you know had the streak at wrestlemania for so long and you know like just to see him in in that match at wrestlemania night he wasn't even the biggest guy he was going against the giant gonzalez who i'm fairly certain only had like three matches in the wwe um, but this dude, he, he made the undertaker look small and, and, and made it look like, you know, and then it's like, he just kind of kept coming back and kept coming back, which is why I, I like the fiend so much. Cause it reminds me of that old undertaker. Oh yeah. For just sure. like, just like this character that just can, you, it's like a horror film. It's like a Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. You just can't put him down. So it was and that's that sort of like extra character uh was what kind of put me in you know into brought me into the WWE um so the undertaker would be one on my personal mount rushmore um also uh next would be hogan um and again that one was still because of wrestlemania 9 um it's wrestlemania 9 at the very end um bret hart was facing yokozuna and uh, and with Mr. Fuji on the outside, he helped Yokozuna win the championship from Bret Hart, uh, because Bret Hart is Bret Hart and he's not the best. Um, and then Hogan comes down to try to make a save and, and is talking to Bret and, and Yokozuna being so, so bold as he is, he wants, he wants to challenge Hogan because he wants to show how dominant he is. And Hogan's asking Bret, if he can, you know, and Brett's like, do it, go ahead. And so then, because he knew that Hogan was a better man, um, and Hogan just beats Yokozuna, who just beat the world champion in, like, a squash match at the end of WrestleMania. And I'm just like, okay, I like this guy. <laughs> um, and the other thing with Hulk Hogan, for me, and this is, a, this is my personal thing, because... Uh, Wrestling is a very, is a, it's a social thing. Just like, you know, like you're watching sports and you, you know, you have your favorite teams and you talk about your favorite players and, 
and you know like and you talk about miles garrett being suspended for the rest of the year and you know all this stuff um and but you know it's those connections that you make surrounding around those favorite you know wrestlers that kind of makes it more real for you um my uncle was was one of my you know mentors growing up and he's like a father figure to me and he always would say that he 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 taught hulk hogan everything he knows and uh about wrestling so that that was always a a thing for me that i was like okay you know so then you obviously wanted you know i wanted to take down my uncle because he taught hulk hogan everything he knew about wrestling but in retrospect he should have probably chosen a better wrestler because hulk hogan didn't know much about wrestling um but it was just one of those things so that for me is a personal kind of like you know i I followed hogan always got excited when you hear the you know i'm a real american music coming out mm-hmm. um next it kind of moves on um because I, I mean i watched I, those two were like the ones that kind of got me in the door um and then i didn't really watch too too much like throughout like from then until uh, about middle school for me um actually it was um like 2001 so that would have been high school. Um, like 2000, 2001 is really when I kind of got back into it. Um, watching, um, you know, Monday Night Raw and watching SmackDown and having my entire weeks, you know, centering around those, those shows. And, um, the one person that really sucked me in to, to Raw and SmackDown was The Rock. The Rock's ability to just go out there and his, like, in terms of complete package wrestlers and stuff like that, he had the showmanship of, you know, Ric Flair. He had the, you know, the talking ability of like, you know, your Hulk Hogan, but better than Hogan. Um, you know, he just like, he knew how to, you know, put the person down and he was so quick witted. And, you know, you wanted to kind of be able to be like that. And he goes out there and he just destroys, you know, like he was able to, you know, win matches and, was just you know re- was really good. So um, the Rock was kind of the person that uh, his his overall talking ability, and I've always respected the per- the people that can get on the mic and talk, because there's the people that can go. I mean, if you can go in the ring, great. If you can talk, but you can't go in the ring, then that's not good. But the people, the great ones, can put it all together. Mm-hmm. And Rock was one of those ones in my mind that can put it all together. Um, and then that led, leads to Jericho because Rock and Jericho's back and forth um, are just epic to me. And honestly, um, Jericho's mic ability and then his in-ring ability, I mean, coming from WCW and being, you know, kind of, you know, in those you know cruiserweight matches and kind of showing how he is there and then coming over to WWE and then showing what he could do here at the w- in WWE. And it's like, and and I, I've had a lot of respect in my person. And it's interesting because my personal Rushmore, honestly, are all characters that have been able to evolve their character over time to stay as relevant as possible. You know, like The Rock. You know, he had his you know nation of domination, and then that wasn't really working, so he you know became The Rock. And I mean, obviously, The Rock like you know has always kind of been the rock but he's like he had like the hollywood rock there for a while and like kind of like did that thing and then you know would come out and he's the guy that's singing and talking about strudel and all this stuff 
and Hogan's, you know, is the red and yellow, but then he's, you know, the Hollywood Hogan. Hollywood. You know, and then Undertaker, obviously, you know, can, you know, has changed so many times over his career, too. And, and now Jericho is doing the exact same thing to stay relevant. I mean, like, you know, to watch this guy who, you know, is, and watching him in AEW now, as much as he's seemingly lost a step in terms of if you're watching him in the ring, he definitely does not have the quickness of his opponents, which was clearly evident in this Scorpio Sky match. But Jericho still has what it takes to, you know, cut a good promo, has what it takes to be a a ring general and actually put over, put over good matches. Um, I, he's just one of the best in my, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, yeah. Not just in your opinion, a, a, a lot of people's opinion. Yeah. That's why he is the champion. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, that's good. Personal Rushmore there as well, too. So, uh, so on Jansen's, uh, personal Rushmore. It was Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Chris Jericho. I had Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Owen Hart, and Eddie Guerrero. Um, so definitely differing. You know, uh, obviously, if you said, you know, you said uh, that you know WrestleMania Nine was pretty much like the first WrestleMania that you had watched. So, you know, by by WrestleMania Ten. I, I don't even think Hogan was in the WWF anymore. No. Um, so, I mean, I knew of Hulk Hogan, obviously, because, you know, Hulk Hogan's Saturday Morning Wrestling, uh, you know, the cartoon show, and things of that nature. I knew of Hulk Hogan. I just, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a Hulkamaniac, you know? Yeah. So it, it's crazy to even think about one year, like one year difference, like how, how different things can look as as to who who shaped who, you know what you what you are when it comes to uh wrestling there so um obviously we're coming up on uh um you said you had done three so so what uh, hit us with that third one quick there all right best overall wrestlers i got your boy Shawn michaels mm-hmm. Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan, and AJ Styles. And you're that that you're talking on pure ring ability. Technical technical ability in the ring, ability to sell, ability to cut a good promo, ability to put on five star matches. I would agree. That's a good that's good rushmore right there. You know, and 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 all all of those, well, three of the four of those are, <laughs> I, I I would say, well, one is already in the Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame twice, but uh, D. Bry and uh, AJ Styles, I I feel like they're future Hall WWE Hall of Famers. Uh, I mean, Chris Jericho would have been a one hundred percent first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I'm not sure at this point now. Um, but he will be. He he! It won't be first ballot, obviously. Um, it, it'll he, take a minute to mend mend some bridges a little bit. There. Honestly, I honestly I don't think so. I don't, think, don't so. think so. I think I think I think Vince, um, because I mean, all the interviews that that I've seen, Jericho said he said, "I went to Vince and said, look, 
this is what they're offering me. And Vince goes, you'd be stupid not to take it. So, like, I don't think that there's any ill will there. I think Jerick, he knows that, and, and I think that Vince knows that he made a mistake by not, you know, locking up Jericho. You know, to more of a deal. But, I mean, Jericho wanted some more creativity and some more freedom in his expression of himself, which, I mean, going over to Japan and making that Painmaker gimmick and, mm-hmm. and having the matches against Omega and all well, that not, stuff. Not, really... not even... Not even so much as just just uh, locking him into you know a lucrative deal and giving him that creative freedom. Just let's call it what it was. Vince shafted him. There was a plan. Uh, so after after Balor went down, the decision was made to give the Universal Championship to Kevin Owens. Um, Kevin Owens starts palling around with Jericho. And then we have the whole festival of friendship and, you know, they break up and they hate each other now. And that was the plan was to culminate that in a universal championship match in the main event of WrestleMania. And what they decided to do instead. Hey, Goldberg wants to come back to the ring and we're going to give him the championship. We're going to have him defeat Owens in like, you know, two minutes. Uh, And we're going to go ahead and give him the title and let him and Lesnar, you know, have some unfinished business at WrestleMania instead. Vince, that's dumb. Well, that's what I'm doing because I'm Vince McMahon. Like, uh, I would have much rather had seen Jericho versus Owens for the Universal Championship. Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty much, you know, o- other than uh, the United States title when he had won it during that whole thing. It was it was the, the Universal Championship was the only belt that he had never won um, in WWE. So I, I would have much rather seen that culminate as the main event uh, of WrestleMania for that the championship. And by by doing that, it kind of I think it spoke to Jericho on many levels as even though he like, we have a respect. He respects what I do. I respect what he does. He still doesn't, he doesn't see me as that person that can be that big, you know? And I think that hurt him. Uh, Maybe not hurt. Maybe that's a poor choice of words. I mean, he's Chris freaking Jericho, Uh, you know, he does whatever he wants, uh, you know, type of thing. But I mean, her from Winnipeg, you know, <laughs> it's just it, 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 it showed Jericho what his, uh, I think, what his worth was, uh, in the grand scheme of things at that, at that time, you know. So I think, I think it was a smart decision to, to, to go. Um, plus, I mean, He's, you know, leaving WWE. He has more time to do the music thing. His his last album, uh, you know, the Judas album, freaking awesome. Uh, I I like Fozzie's band. So, like, I just wish he would. <laughs> the 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 cat lady meme that you posted the other day, you know, uh, on on the Facebook page, it's called the Judas effect. No, it's a shitty back elbow. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's the like. He's like, oh yeah, I've got this devastating new move. Like, 
it looks like you're half drunk when you hit it, and because it just doesn't look, and it's just a back elbow. It's like it's like a, pardon me, excuse me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I mean, the code breaker is definitely like when he unveiled that, and like, and even when he was hitting that, like when I remember him hitting that on Rey Mysterio, I think it was SummerSlam or something like that. Like Rey Mysterio, like did like he went for like the West Coast pop, it was like hopping off of the top or popping off the top rope. And Chris Jericho just caught him with a nasty one, and it was great. Like that was like that was a great added arsenal. I mean, I just don't, I don't. I mean, I guess like I don't know. There's just and they are protecting that move like crazy, crazy. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's still in terms of in terms of workmanship. Uh, you know, putting it all together in the ring. That, that's, that's good. That's a good Rushmore as well, too. I like it. Uh, I like that you went, you went the extra mile. Like we, we both went kind of different ways with how we were going to talk about this. You know, I, I, I brought up all the, the titles and accomplishments and you're like, well, I have my personal. And then I have like, I think who would be overall and then who's like the best worker. And uh, I, th- I think, uh, I think it was a very good topic for us to cover this week. So, yeah. I mean, it, there's so many more things. Like, I was honestly gonna, I, I really was, I was really having fun with it because I was gonna go like women, and then I was gonna go tag teams, and I was gonna go modern day. Like, if I could <laughs> pick, you know, four people right now to start my, you know, whatever. Um, that was kind of. If you could pick four people, uh, right now to start, like. Your your current day Mount Rushmore. They're all in NXT and they're all wearing all gold. They're called the Undisputed Era. End I of know. Story. <laughs> and Adam Cole is one hundred percent. He is he is one hundred percent a new Shawn Michaels. Yes. You can't like it. It just he has that aura about him, and I think that if they push, if they do it the right way, he is going to be great in the mm. WWE. I mean, he already is great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, like, it, he's kind of like that hidden treasure right now that people just kind of got a glimpse of on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, dude's been dude's been working the past month and a half with a broken wrist. Like, he's not taking time off. You know, they're not doing the stupid like cast gimmick with him. He's literally been working. You know. Uh, these great matches with people uh, with, with a broken wrist and, and just keeps on going, you know, and, and why is that? It's because he's Adam Cole, baby. Hear that, Matthew? Adam Cole, baby. He is undisputed. Uh, I, I found out recently my friend Matthew, like, just does not like Adam Cole at all. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and, I, and I know that he, that he listens to the show, so th- this this will make him uh, giggle probably because we're talking about him now, but uh, yeah, no, I, 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 like undisputed era, like an an argument could be, I think I think for for a current day Mount Rushmore that it would just it could just comprise of those four members. Period. I think so. Yeah, it'd be a maybe fun not, one. Maybe not, yeah, it it it'd be an argument for sure, but an argument could be made. So, yeah, but um, yeah, uh, we probably should uh, probably should end it here. Uh, I think we talked 
probably enough. Talk to you all your years off. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed our little glimpse into what our Mount Rushmore's would look like. Um, you know, I'm going to put up a, I'm going to put up a thing on the Facebook page. Let us know what your Mount Rushmore's would be as well, too. Um, I shared a, a post on the Facebook page the other day as well, too. Uh, if you guys get a chance, it is still Black Friday weekend. Uh, we do have our friend, Michael. He is the uh, snarkitect. Not snark attack, snark attacked, uh, apparently. Uh, I was wrong on hearing that uh, here at the Gimmick Minute podcast. Um, check out his shirts. Uh, there's some pretty cool designs in there. Uh, Michael also did re- make our logo for the reality check here. Um, you know, get yourself a cool custom T-shirt that uh, no one else, well, some other people in the world might have, but not many people. Uh, I still find the whole Miles Garrett uh Pokemon one on Mason Rudolph, you know, Miles Garrett uses helmet. <laughs> it's super effective. I, I, I had to have him make it. I had to have him make it. <laughs> I, I know, I know a couple of did actually order that one. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty nice. So, um, but yeah, check that, uh, check those out. If you get a chance, obviously. So subscribe to us, whatever podcast app that you're using, uh, we are on uh breaker, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, as my dog is jumping around on the floor in the background. Um, but yeah, subscribe to us. Uh, if there's any type of rating use on podcast app, please uh, give us a review, whatever the equivalent would be. Uh, Janice, you got anything else for our Nope. All like two of them, I'm I'm sure. I hope there's more than two of you. We mm-hmm. we appreciate you. We appreciate you. We appreciate anyone that's listening. Yes. Thank you guys. You have a great night. All right. <laughs>